Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and we hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything. And as messed up as we are, we are ready to dive into and bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. So Chris and I were going to rock, paper, scissors who gets to introduce the guest. But what we did was we figured out, okay, what is the biggest connection that one of us has with this guy? And the crazy thing is, is Jared Zimmerer is actually at my home parish. That's, that's the parish that he goes to right now, which is crazy. I We have never had a guest like randomly just so happened to be going to... Um, one of our same churches. So I would like to welcome Jared Zimmerer from Word on Fire Institute. He is the senior director of the Word on Fire Institute. What is the Word on Fire Institute, Jared? Yeah, so the Word on Fire Institute um, really exists to support the mission of Bishop Barron. It's becoming a more kind of formalized teaching arm of Bishop Barron. So if people want to learn how to be a better evangelist, uh, in the ethos of Bishop Barron, we provide specialized courses online. We have forums involved with all of our professors. Uh, we have print materials. We have a quarterly journal that goes out to everybody that includes lots of different articles on different aspects of evangelization. Uh, so in large part, though, we're here to support Bishop Barron and uh, see his kind of dream of the ministry of Word on Fire becoming a more official movement of, of, uh, of evangelists. And so this is a way to kind of gather people that follow him and provide some education and information and how to think, speak, talk, uh, relate like Bishop Barron does. Awesome. And how long have you been with them? So I've been with them a little over four years now. Very cool. Yeah, I've known Bishop Barron and Father Steve uh, Gruno, who's the CEO there, uh, for about eight years. Uh, Bishop Barron brought me up to Mundelein a couple times to to speak uh, whenever he was at the rector there. And then uh, he got moved out to California. Uh, at the time, I was still working at a parish here in North Texas as the director of catechesis and evangelization. And then uh, we started kind of praying about what is Word on Fire being called to um, and what, are we, what does the future look like for Word on Fire. And so for about a year, we actually would get through a Zoom call like this and and break open the scriptures and just pray together. Uh, and then about a year later, I get a call from Bishop Barron that he wanted me to kind of be the guy to make things moving. So Awesome. So you must have been doing some pretty cool things um, at your parish, like, I, don't, I mean, and or in the world of evangelization and catechesis to, to be noticed, if you will, like by them. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, so what actually happened was um, Father Steve Gruno is uh, a weightlifter like myself, and um, I wrote a very short book that was actually for high school boys uh, that were interested in weightlifting and how they can integrate that into their spiritual life. Of uh, Just because you love weightlifting doesn't mean you're a bad Catholic. In fact, you can actually integrate the two very, very well. Uh, and then he happened to post on Facebook one day that he left it on a plane on the way to England. Mm. And so that was the beginning of the relationship. And uh, so Bishop Barron, so who is has a very <laughs> JP2 heart for human formation, saw that kind of weightlifting and masculinity reality, uh, which is why he brought me up to Mundelein, because he wanted to help the guys better understand how to reach men, and in particular, the guys who are interested in that world. That is absolutely fascinating. And, and on a couple of things, just plain, straight fascinating, you know, left a book on a plane. But also the need for masculine leadership, uh, especially among the laity, you know, the role of fatherhood in the family as spiritual leader and different things like that is so necessary. Um, And if we wait until fatherhood, I think we've missed it. I think it's passed us by. And so... um, so using weightlifting as an on-ramp and even even our topic today. So you were part of OSV Innovations, which is kind of like Catholic TED Talks. 
And mm-hmm. uh, and you gave uh, this amazing presentation on Bruce Lee was a master evangelist. Now, people can find it on uh, OSV's website, but also on YouTube. It is worth the listen. Um, but you basically talk about Bruce Lee and kind of there's, there's, there's masculinity, uh, but there's also heroic virtue that he exhibited, even though he wasn't a Catholic. Now, as we move into this, I want to I want to make a distinction because we've talked about it a couple of different ways. But the distinction between catechesis and evangelization, because I would not call Bruce Lee a master catechist, no. um, but I would call him a master evangelist. Well, especially after listening to your very compelling talk. But could you <laughs> could you tease that out for some of our listeners? Because the distinction between those two, sometimes they just get put in the same pot, mixed up. And what always comes out is more catechesis programming as opposed to evangelization approaches. And so could you tease that out for us? Yeah. And so the difference between, of course, evangelization and catechesis, I always consider evangelization. I think I mentioned this in the talk of the the word evangelization actually comes from the the Roman days of evangelion. So it was actually, say, the Roman emperor won a battle or took over a new land. Uh, The people that were closest to him, it was good for them because that meant they have more protection, more land, more money, things like that. So it was sending out the good news. And Christians have kind of integrated that into our language of the greatest good news of Jesus Christ, right? Um, But there's a difference between evangelization, which is that initial awakening of the heart, um, even to the desire for a good life. And then you have to seek out what does a good life mean? And that's where catechesis kind of comes in and starts providing the, the truths of Christianity to say, this is how you live out the good life. And so Bruce Lee was able to be an evangelist because even though he wasn't necessarily a Christian, he still inspired people to live a great life, live a life of discipline, a life of self-awareness, a life that that you are trying your best to live out virtue. Um, And so he didn't use the word virtue all that often, but what he was doing was virtuous, if that makes sense. Um, And so it's an awakening, that initial awakening, kind of like we're talking about with the weightlifting thing. A lot of times I talk to young guys about weightlifting and what they learn in weightlifting, that initial desire for self-discipline, for building up the self, for, for trying to live a life that's kind of worth something. It's got, it's got meaning. It's got purpose. Um, and then from there, you guide that to say, now the ultimate purpose you've got is to live a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me show you how to do that. Um, and so there's that clear distinction there. And I think sometimes the, the church, and we all fall into this, we, we forget a lot of times those first initial steps of evangelization before we need to start catechizing. Um, sometimes even the, the proofs of the existence of God might need to wait until that initial heart awakens up to, I, I want something more than what the world is giving me. That Augustinian move of like, of my heart's restless, right? Um, and so Bruce Lee was able to kind of speak to that restless heart uh, in his own way. Now it was not, in, not complete because as Christians, as Catholics, we know the ultimate uh, purpose and meaning that we can provide, but it did awaken something in people of, I, I want something more than what the world's offering me. See, I've always had a, like a hard time, and I don't want to say hard time, teasing out the uh, the difference between catechesis and evangelization. So if we if we look at the the word evangelization within a Catholic context, not just like a, a word a word itself, because I mean the world uses that word on its own. Like sure. there are there are huge companies um, that use that term to like as the names of their employees because they're sure. spreading the good news of their company or of their product. Um, but within a, a Catholic context, I've always had a hard time teasing um, catechesis 
or teasing evangelization out of catechesis because th- like there is still teaching there is still sure. like church teaching and doctrinal teaching that happens in the midst of cate- or in the midst of uh, evangelization it's almost like evangelization is not not just a moment on that spectrum but on that timeline of you know catechesis and coming into the church that there is like uh evangelization evangelization is a part of that like they're yeah. they're inseparable yeah, and I, w- I would definitely say that if it, I would not want to make too clear of a distinction between the two, uh, yeah. because even while you're catechizing, there's continuing evangelization going Amen. on. Amen. Absolutely. Right. Um, yep. But but it's I, I think too often, and that, maybe that's the problem, right? We we cl- make that clear distinction too clear that mm. there's something over here happening versus something over here, but it's one whole process that. So like the term pre-evangelization comes out, and oh, maybe yeah. I should say that Bush Bruce Lee was a pre-evangelist. Mm. Because it's not like he's giving the good news of Jesus by any means, but he was there to again waken up the heart, awaken up the soul to to something deeper than what the world offers. Right, which is orientated towards truth, beauty, and goodness. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I would almost like like in all analogies break down, but like the analogy of a fire, you know, that I, th- I think too often the church um, pours the like or dumps the catechesis on a tiny little spark. And, and they put like this massive log on a tiny spark. And so if you're trying to like evangelize and catechize at the same time, you've got to put the right amount of fuel on that size of fire. Uh, like, does yeah. that make sense? And so I, I think that sometimes we, we end up doing too much catechesis um, when they're not ready for it, you know? And so, that's right. Yeah. I think we, we, we got kind of stuck in this counter-reformation mode, which was very focused on, on catechesis because it was making the distinctions between the denominations um, whereas now we're in kind of a, a post-modern era yeah. where where even the baptized don't really have a good sense of what that means, mm-hmm. and so we're going back to in a certain sense. I mean, it's it's a it's a post-Christian era as opposed to like going to new lands where people have never even heard of Jesus Christ. Now they've heard of him and rejected him, right? Yeah. And so we're dealing with the pre-evangelization of saying the 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 purpose and the meaning that the world is trying to give you through through things power honor pleasure that's not what actually is going to make you happy or give you meaning and that's a kind of pre-evangelization moment that has to lead towards catechesis yeah rather than complete yeah uh, but i'm making the argument that bruce lee provides a model of somebody who reached into a person's interest whether it's martial arts or whether it's just simply i, I want more discipline in my life or i want more self-awareness of who i am um, he reached into that, and I think that spark Christians need to understand because that spark is what gets people a desire for more. I'll never forget the first time I read Lord of the Rings, and I hated reading before that. You'd have to tape my eyes open before that. <laughs> and then I read Lord of the Rings, and I was like, "This is what words do," you know. And like, it just turned into a whole different thing that led me on a whole different path of desiring to know things yeah and it's the same thing in evangelization like we need that initial spark sometimes that isn't always deeply catechetical it's maybe more human yeah and it's awakening that and then that leads to catechesis and again i don't want to make a a clear distinction between the two because it is catechetical in nature but um it, it helps i think better understand where a person's at yeah and what they need in that moment yeah and it's true because someone their initial evangelization might be catechetical knowledge that moves a roadblock out of the way so they can receive 
uh, an encounter with Christ, whereas others, they need to have just an encounter with Christ before any of the uh, catechesis or the knowledge of Christ really makes sense, you know, but, uh, mm-hmm. but, but to, to separate them distinctive, exclusively separate them is problematic because they are intertwined. However, I see in a number of parishes and programming, uh, that they are looking towards knowledge of Christ above and beyond an encounter and knowledge of Christ is meant to foster a deeper encounter, right? So catechesis end is the same as evangelization and that's a deeper relationship with the living Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as ministry leaders, if we are looking to be great evangelizers like Bruce Lee, we need to look at how bad the culture is and how awful they are and tear them down and say, you suck. Um, and then we'll win their hearts, right? That's the way we should do it, right? Yeah, because exactly. Bruce, Bruce Lee was a fighter, right? So we got to fight things. That's what we got to do. And nothing brings people in more than shame. Yeah, so there you go. Let's add a little shame into it. No, but like, what do we need to do? Like as ministry leaders, like, because there are like the culture is, is very different, you know, from where, you know, we would like it to be like in many instances. So how do we not like, cause obviously what I was saying is false. Like, how do we, how do we fix that? What's the right way to do that? Yeah. And to use Bruce Lee as an example, um, in the, in the talk, I mentioned that whenever he first started getting into Hollywood, there's some pretty ingrained racism that a Chinese man would never get a, a lead role. Um, and so he, combated that right off the bat or or came up against that right off the bat. But his love of making movies, his love of being an artist kept him there. And and it allowed certain relationships to happen that he was able to still kind of prove the racism wrong. And so in a culture that maybe is, you know, against some of the things that we believe as Catholics, we can still find those points of mutual interest and mutual love. So to use the weightlifting thing as an example, or a good coffee, or you know, these are these things that we can connect on a on a human basis. You've got to start from where you agree, not where you disagree. And so if we go into a place where all we say is the point out the bad parts of the culture, it's like, well, you're never gonna win anybody like that. But if you go in, and this was a, what Bishop Barron does so beautifully with his movie reviews, um, you know, maybe I don't agree with everything that happened in The Departed, but these moments right here were very interesting. And I love how that was done. This reveals God in some way. Um, and so doing that, that's what Bruce Lee did. He basically went in and said, you know, I, I know that, that there's some racism here. There's some things pushing me out, but I love this thing too much to just give up. And so let's find people who also love being an artist together and let's kind of move towards a, a mutual desire for the end goal. And to speak to that, I mean, you know, they say evangelization, maybe it's an art, maybe it's a science, it's a little of both. I would say that Bruce Lee modeled that it's a craft, right? Because the artist he was at the beginning and the artist he was as he continued to change the culture, transformed and was refined to meet the growing needs that arose. And so he was a craftsman and that takes work, you know? And so ministry leaders out there, if you're finding yourself frustrated, learn from it. Right. Because that's what Bruce did is he didn't he wasn't successful at first. You share in your talk how he actually had to go back uh, to his homeland and make successful movies there and then come back and show like, see, like uh, I could be a lead, you know, and uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to say, you know, is like what Bruce Lee did, like he didn't love the culture of Hollywood. Right. Like there were things within the culture of Hollywood that had to change, but he loved like making movies and um, the impact that it could have 
on on the world and on people. I, I assume I don't know a whole lot about Bruce Lee. You you correct me, Jared, if I'm wrong. Yeah, um, yeah I would say that. Go ahead. Go ahead. So so that that idea when ministry leaders look at things like this, it's like okay, like um, we don't have to love everything about the culture because that's actually not the motivation. The motivation is is the people. Like we we love people because that's what God has called us to do. He's called us to love our brothers and sisters um, and love them so much that we will find the good in what they like. We will find, you know, the beauty in what they like and what they, in in order to um, help create a, a moment or a space for like them to see God already active in their lives, you know, in that way, or yeah. in, in order to create connections with people. So it's, it's our love of, you know, God, our love of the people of God that requires us to find the good, the true and the beautiful in what they already are experiencing. Yeah. And I think that uh, the one way to express that is also that when I, when I say culture, I'm, I'm thinking of a specific culture in mind. So for example, the weightlifting thing or martial arts, um, so I've, I've trained in numerous different martial arts, including Jeet Kune Do from Bruce Lee himself. Um, and many people, as they look at, say, MMA, if they've never participated in it, they know nobody in it. They don't really understand the culture. They just see brutality. You, they just see brutality. But yeah. if you if you participated in it, you've met the people, you know the mentality behind it. It gives you a different perspective. And so you can say, like, I love the culture of mixed martial arts, but there is a line. Right, that there, there is something there, but the mutual love provides a route of access for those who may not be believers to say, well, we love this thing together, and he loves that thing, so I should maybe come to better understand that thing, right? So when I was in college, I was deeply involved in powerlifting and bodybuilding and all that stuff, which of course has its, its issues as well, but I love the culture of going to a gym, and it stinks, and everybody's sweating, and there's you know, loud, and a bunch of brutes in there. There's just something that I was attracted to that high school that led to participating a lot in college. Um, and then as relationships grew, they would know, oh, Jared's Catholic, you know, and they're maybe nothing, you know, they're just maybe secular. Um, and so whenever we're talking about weightlifting and stuff, it was never like I forced the conversation to start talking about Catholicism. It was more like, you know, yeah, you know, I go to, you know, St. Such and Such down the road, and, and this is part of my life, too. And it's given me a lot of meaning, a lot of purpose. And because I love the culture that this person loves, it, it allows for a route of access into other cultures that I love, such as Catholicism. You earn right? permission to speak into their world. Exactly. Exactly. And that's because you incarnated yourself into a common world. Exactly. And uh, I, I think that's the, the, the beautiful thing. The danger is, is this whole culture war mentality is actually a two-sided street. When I was uh, younger, it was just like the Catholics and, and, and we, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin, but then, but also kind of hate the sinner. Like there was kind of that secret kind of reality, <laughs> right? But now the, the, the flip side is also true. Like even if we, which I hope we already have, but transform ourselves and we're going to love people where they're at, meet them where they're at, and then journey with them. Right. It doesn't matter because sometimes people um, on, on different perspectives are like, well, the church's position on same sex marriage. Now I cancel you. You don't matter because you are. And we saw this in some of the hearings of the recent Supreme Court Court Justice. You believe this one thing. And so therefore, everything you say is invalid. And mm-hmm. that's a dangerous mentality to pit cultures against each other instead of you see things differently. And that perspective could provide me insight. They would help me grow, and maybe my perspectives could help you grow as well. And I think that's what Bruce Lee did in an amazing way. 
you know, there's that, um, I think it's in Divine Renovation from, from Father Mallon, which is, I, I think, a great book, but he talks about that uh, stage of belong, believe, behave. And a lot of times we get that thing totally mixed up. We say behave first, and then maybe you can believe, and then maybe you can belong to our community. Whereas if we belong to something together, if it's a mutual love of some culture, like a weightlifting culture or movie culture or something like that, we now belong together in something. So now let's go to, to the next thing, which was a belief. And sometimes our parishes struggle with that a lot. Of if you're not behaving, you're, you don't belong here. Um, and that's where the hate the sin, hate the sin, but then a little bit of a, but if you're a sinner, you need to leave, Yeah, you know, that, that kind of thing. And it's like, well, no, we're, we're all sinners and we all, you know, belong together as a community, but let's do what we need to do to move forward in belief and behaving. Um, but Bruce was able to numerous different cultures because also in martial arts, you know, at the time, uh, and I think this really speaks of the Catholic moment now, especially with the way things are going on social media, um, that there was a time when martial arts were put in these different schools. We don't really think about that anymore because it's now the MMA era. So you had like Wing Chun over here, you had like Japanese Aikido over here, you had boxing over here, and they very rarely ever spoke. Whereas Bruce Lee went to every school and tried to learn what he could. He loved Muhammad Ali, loved Wing Chun, loved you know all this stuff, and didn't care. And it actually got him in some trouble with a lot of the other martial artists because they were like, "What the heck are you doing? You're breaking down our system." But he wasn't worried. He didn't care about the silos. He didn't care about like this kind of ad interest stuff. And he didn't want to belong to sort of like what we do today with this whole left right binary decision that we have to make. He's like, I'm, I'm transcending that. I don't I don't care about any of that kind of stuff. I care about people. And I know that I have something that I can give them that's going to make their life better. And, and even the way I practice martial arts, and if you think about this, maybe in like spirituality and our relationship with Christ is not really going to be the way that he practices martial arts or spirituality with Christ. So we can't place these like labels on things where all of a sudden the person comes in and says, well, I don't really belong to this group because they're blank or they're blank. It's like transcend that and say, no, no, we're, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And so let's kind of move forward with the kind of without labeling ourselves. I love it. Cause you know, there, there are some people that I've encountered that are like, Oh, I won't go to that church because they, they don't do the liturgy right. Or I won't go to that church because their their youth ministry isn't good or I won't go to that church. I'm like, actually, I think first of all, you mean that parish because they're all the Catholic church. We're all on the same team here. And like, secondly, like we're in a place where we have that, that ability to choose, but like a hundred years ago, it didn't matter. Like that's the only parish that was near you. And so you had to go there. And so people dug in and they said, you know what? Something needs to change. I am going to be the instrument of change instead of be the consumer I'm going to be the contributor, you know, and exactly. I and I think that 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 needs to happen um, in a lot of ways. But I also think that era has passed because now people are just like, I'm not going to church. Mm. And so we as uh, as as ministry leaders need to change our mentality of, oh, no, we lost someone to um, to, to the neighbor par- neighboring parish. Let's try and get them back. No, be glad that they found a place where they can bloom. We need to focus on the ones that we lost to Snapchat, the ones that we lost to uh, to the sex scandal, the ones that we lost to postmodernism and, and things like that. And, and that means that we have to do things differently in regards to our approach and our approaches. So what, what can ministry leaders learn really from Bruce Lee or just in this time to, to, to kind of think differently and do things differently in this modern era? 
I think that uh, really two things that um, I focused in on that, and these are actually principles that we operate on at at the Word on Fire Institute. Um, So we have eight principles that we operate on that are kind of reflections of Bishop Barron's uh, charism and what he's done over the past 15, 20 years. Um, And one of them is evangelizing the culture, which we've talked a little bit about, but the other is also leading with beauty. Um, And so I guess to get really practical with that, right? Instead of this idea of, if I want to bring more people into the Church of Christ, I need them to actually come to the building. Um, we put a lot of resources, a lot of money to that. It's like, why don't we start putting resources to actually go out into the neighborhoods themselves, send your catechists out into the neighborhoods, train evangelists, send them out. Uh, don't have everything on the church parking lot. Don't have everything in the church building. I mean, in large part, that exists for worship. Um, and so if we're going out and we can lead with beauty and love of culture. So for example, if you know um, the guys I meet at the coffee shop are big Brene Brown fans or something like that, we can kind of talk about that first. Let's get into that culture. Let's lead with the beautiful. And then we get to the good and the true. Um, And so it's it's all the other ways as well, like leading with, um, you know, uh, events that are not specifically like, like praise and worship events where there's just adoration and anyone's invited. I love that stuff especially if it's not in a church, like some of the stuff that's happening in Chicago. I love that. It's just off the street. There's an adoration chapel there and they're just having candles everywhere and a beautiful music playing and the doors are just wide open like that, that kind of stuff. It's getting out into the culture and leading with the beautiful rather than um, maybe first starting with the true and the good, because as you mentioned, in kind of the postmodern age, it's relativistic. And so, you know, so if you leave with truth today, sometimes it's, well, that's your truth versus my truth or goodness. That's your morality versus my morality. But, but beautiful, such as music or the arts or, or just simple adoration with amazing praise and worship, like that, that kind of stuff attracts even non-believers because it's, it's not judgmental. It's not like they, it's, it's automatically belonging to something. Um, so we've got to think innovatively. And I think that's what, what Bruce kind of understood. So I was like, while y'all were talking, I was thinking about like how we as a culture have been trained. Um, And if we look at social media and how social media has trained us to respond to people, um, we've, we've been trained to look for what's wrong and what people say and jump on it and tell them, oh, like, even though you had two paragraphs of what you had to say, this one thing was wrong and this is why you're wrong. Um, and so I feel like for, for, I feel like we, we need to be retrained, um, in, in how to love. Like, so e- even yeah. if you're, you're like down and you're, you're in that coffee shop and you're, you're talking about Renee Brown, but then the person says something about, oh yeah, me and my girlfriend live together. Um, it is not the Catholic's job to say, Hey, that's a sin. Like that's, that's not, that's absolutely not what you're called to do at that moment, you know? And so, and I know, and I know that there are con- uh, like Catholics that would have conflicts with that because, you know, anyway, but you, you do not have permission to speak into that person's life until you know that person, you know, until you have an yeah. actual relationship with them. And so leading with love, like how do we lead with love and mercy and grace, you know, amidst all that, you know? And so that's, I think maybe the, the toughest thing is retraining ourselves on how to be Christ-like in these conversations. 
Yeah, we, we really want the, the kind of quick option. Mm-hmm. And we want a, a program that's going to tell me if I do these five steps, this person's going to come into the church. Yeah, That's not how it works. Nope. That's not how human beings work. Um, and the term we use for, for kind of finding that one thing is called the hermeneutic of suspicion. Right. You interpret everything yep. through what are they doing wrong? Mm-hmm. And what we've talked about uh, at, at Born on Fire is you know, the work of Charles Taylor in his uh, secular age. He talks about this movement of yes and. And so, for example, with the uh, current movements that are going on asking for, for justice, um, maybe you disagree about some of the particulars, you agree with some of the particulars. But the yes is yes, we do need justice. But now let's talk about what justice is. Let's get into like, what is the human person ultimately? Because that's what, how we can only have a just society. Um, and so you're starting with agreement. You're starting with something that, that creates a ground of, of discussion and, and love as opposed to you're wrong here. Uh, but I do like the point that you bring up when, say, for example, someone reveals something in their life that as Catholics, we would say that that is sinful, uh, but you don't know the person well enough. They, they may not even fully believe in God yet. Uh, so if you want to start morality out here, well, they don't really know the God who loves them. So we got to start way back here first. And that takes time. It takes a lot of steps along the way, which is part of that kind of pre-evangelization uh, uh, momentum that gets them to the place where now they understand, oh, this is why this is particularly uh, uh, wrong in this case. Um, but yeah, it's it's knowing the person. And we, and we have to ask ourselves, like, do like, do I love this person enough? to take the time it's going to take um, to, to get to that point. Because the shortcut is, you're wrong, that's a sin. And that's not going to get them to, like, to where we want them to be. Like, if, and again, I, like, we're making a whole ton of assumptions about where this person is in their life or whatever, but it's a fictitious person, so whatever, we made it up. Um, so, but, like, the, we have to decide, okay, like, how much do I love this person? You know, and, and am I willing to take the time to get to know this person um, to the point, or even this whole group of people to the point where um, I actually like have like a relationship with them to be able to be God's instrument in the, in their life. Yeah. And, and it's my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we think that evangelization should be sweet and fun and easy. It's still a yoke, you guys, (laughs) it's still a yoke. And so like compared to other yokes, sure, maybe it might be a little bit easier, but we have to be willing to, to sit in the uncomfortable so that they can encounter love in the midst of that chaos. Cause, cause God, God enters into the hurt. He waited for the woman at the well in the heat of the day. That's not comfortable. He didn't say, ah, she'll come around. And he didn't go to her house in the cool of the day. He waited for her in the uncomfortable. And we have to be willing to sit with people in the uncomfortable and love what they love as, as prudent as is possible. You know what I mean? But, but weightlifting is a great analogy of like, we can both love this thing together and if this gives me permission to speak in another way and you show a sign of it, then let's take that next, next step forward. But it requires us to get off of our parish property and into the mission field. And there's also the reality of when we talk about loving the culture, you also understand the language of the culture. Um, so to bring up the idea of sin, most people probably wouldn't even know what that means uh, in, the, in the secular world today. You know, I think of like Alistair McIntyre's After Virtue, where we don't even know what these words mean anymore. And so if we're starting with language, even say, for example, God, well, they might have an image of God as kind of some big guy up in the sky that provides wishes that people pray to him. But that's not what we mean by God. Right. And so that, that clarification of language, but what the beauty of a loving a culture does, say, for example, or what, with martial arts or, or weightlifting, I can use the language that they know. I can use that language because I'm part of it and I love it. 
And then I can start introducing other aspects of language. So say, for example, I wanted to mention sin. Well, I can kind of use language that they, they understand, which is where like movies and art provides an opportunity. Say, for example, like Les Miserables. You can point to Les Miserables and say, I, like, that's the language I'm talking about. Like that, that's sinful moment. Even within weightlifting, like right. there, there is a form to the way you're supposed to lift. If you, if exactly. you mess up that form, you, you actually, hurt. yeah, you will actually hurt your body. Yes. You know, and so that is a direct connection, you know, to what sin is, you know, like you're, you're aiming at something good. You've got it wrong um, and it's going to hurt you. Yeah. And I think the, the best mentality that evangelists can have is even if they are trying to say, get a person in line with a virtuous life, it's always lead with the good. So that I love that example of the weightlifting things, because it's like, I want you to be successful. I want you to lift as much as possible, get big and strong, whatever you got to do. But there's a form to that. Um, ra- rather than sometimes the language of, of sin can become very disheartening to somebody. So being able to use that common language and, and say, like, actually, I'm doing this because I want what's best for you and I want you to be successful. Um, that, that, but that common language has to happen. Yeah. And it's all, it's all towards uh, different forms of human flourishing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I want to encourage ministry leaders out there. Uh, where do you nerd or geek out or what is the thing that you have and how can that be an on ramp? for evangelization. Now for me, I've got a stretch because I still collect garbage pail kids. And nice. <laughs> and I'm like, how there's gotta be a pathway because God would not put this passion in my life and some of the internet groups I'm a part of, true story. Um, it doesn't make <laughs> sense unless unless he would use that to glorify him, unless it's leading me away from him. And so I've got to think, is this something that, that that can be anointed for the kingdom of God? And if so, how? Um, and, uh, and and just to reflect on it, what where ministry leaders do you nerd out? Where is your passion? Um, and how can you encounter people in that culture and elevate it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're filming this on the, the feast of St. John Paul II. You know, and one of my favorite lines of his is become who you are, right? Those, those, those desires in your heart, those things that make you passionate. It doesn't have to be what other people have. It doesn't you have to force yourself into something you don't love to try to love it. There, there's things that you already love and get into that, you know, and, and, and be a good Catholic within it, be a good representative of what that means. I also think I want that advice to go into how we act on social media. Amen. Um, you know, that, that is such a big view into the Catholic world for people who would never go to a church. And if all they see is combating, uh, why would they possibly? Yeah, that does not look loving. I don't want to be a part of that. Exactly. Um, yeah. I've, I've also had another thought, and I know we're getting close to the end of the time, and Chris wants us to wrap up soon. But the, the uh, parents that are listening to this, um, this works with you as well. Like, so as your kids grow up, they're going to have their own interests um, and they may be totally different than yours. Learn about those interests, like participate in those and and be a part of that culture um, again. So you'll have the language and you'll have the relationship to build with your kids. Because if, if you always just see everything that they're doing as something that is evil or wrong or whatever, even like being Other. on their phones as much as they are, you know, yeah. Um, like why are they on their phones? Like, what are they doing? Sit down next to them, figure out what game it is they're playing and play the game with them and learn and have them teach you different things like that. That's, that's how you like in a way love and develop that relationship with them instead of just saying this is all wrong. So I, I just felt like I needed to say that. I don't know what parent is listening that needed to hear that, but, um, and it may take time. Like if, if that, like if you ha- are a parent of an older child and that child is uh, distant, you know, from the church has left the church, it may take a lot of time to, to rebuild that relationship um, with love. 
Um, but it, it's worth it. Um, being patient, you know, on that side of things and rebuilding, yeah, that relationship is, is absolutely worth it. Uh, but the quick way to summarize it is be a Bruce. That's all we got to say is be a Bruce. <laughs> Wherever you're at, bring that excellence, that craftsmanship. Jared, thank you so much for joining us. If people wanted to connect with you, what would they need to do? Uh, so go to wordonfire.institute. You can learn more about the the institute there. Uh, I've also got my contact information on there as well. So uh, it's just www.wordonfire.institute. So whose phone is vibrating right now? Did anybody else hear that? Uh, it might have been mine. <laughs> okay, <sorry>. no, that's <laughs> okay. <laughs> Matt, just just stay focused on calling me out. Don't call our guests out as well. Sorry, Jared. Uh, it's all yeah. good. It's all yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even hear it. That's what's funny about it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, thanks so much for joining us today. Let's continue the conversation online. Please send any feedback you guys have to MLA at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone. We'd also love it if you could rate it, uh, rate it in iTunes, give us a five-star rating. If you want to give us a four-star rating, email us personally and let us know, and uh, we'll try and improve where we need to improve. You guys here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, go alone. And if we want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders and pray into the passions that God has given you that exist in circles outside of church circles so that you can bring Christ into those. We will see you guys next week on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless you.